We, uh, we are indeed going to glorify God tonight. That's already happened because we're here. Amen? Amen. Last week we started in this series uh, on the end times and we did a whole bunch of housekeeping kind of stuff. Laying some groundwork and just kind of laying the framework for what God's Word says about the end times. So we absolutely must review very briefly what we talked about a little bit last week. And so the question is, what is eschatology? The study of the end times. So we are in this series, and it is a series on eschatology, the study of end times. And the study of end times is filled with a lot of different topics, right? Okay, a lot of different topics. And so uh, we were looking at a question last week as we were walking through some of the foundations that were going to get us really started and cranked up tonight. Um, And we asked the question, it's an important question, are we in the end times? Yes, yes, yes. We had some yeses and we had some... When the no question was asked, some hands that went up uh, shoulder height. I call that the Presbyterian height. Okay. And then uh, and then there there were actually some I'm not sure. And we looked at some scriptures last week and um, I'm going to pass these out, by the way, because, you know, me in scripture. Because it doesn't really matter what the teacher says. It matters what the Bible says. Amen. So we we were looking at some uh, scripture last week because it's really important that we settle where we where we stand on the end times. Are we on the end times? Because believe it or not, there are those within Christendom that is within the church that would believe that we're not. So we're going to start and we're going to take just a couple of minutes because I want you to be absolutely sure where you land on whether or not we're in the end times. And it's based on what the Bible says, right? So if you take a look at Luke 21.11, we're going to look at four scriptures very, very briefly. Actually, five. So if you open your Bibles to Luke 21.11... And your handout has the scripture references we're going to use tonight in order to make it easy. And Luke 21.11 says what? That's a clue for somebody to read. There will be earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places. And fearful events and great signs from heaven. The context here is that is that Luke is talking about the end times, and he says there's going to be great great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences. Now, pestilence—that's not a word that we hear very often, is it? Um, so, what's a great earthquake? Oh, okay, it's an eight on the Richter scale. Anybody else? It's an eight or a nine. 
Interesting, we like to try to identify them in terms of grading them, don't we? Okay, but see, things that are going to be signs from heaven, that's what, that's what uh, Scripture talks about. There are signs from heaven that we are in the end times. And so there will be great earthquakes and famines. Boy, have there been a lot of earthquakes. Yeah. Has that been lately or... We like to measure things in time, don't we? Mm-hmm. How long have we been having earthquakes? For a long time. Forever. There's more coming. Right now? Okay. But you just said there's more coming. Well, there is more coming. Okay. The labor pains will increase. Oh, okay. I'm asking you to think about coming down someplace on whether or not we're in the end times. Everybody here is pretty much convinced, I think, that we're in the end times. But you said more. Hang on to that. More coming. Remember, Susan Rowland said there's more coming. (laughs) There's more coming. Okay. So there's more coming. I just want you to remember that. Okay. And so, and then pestilences. This is a fascinating one because what's a pestilence? Yeah. You know, I had to look it up. I have never used that word. Heard it, never used it, wanted to understand what it what it really meant. So what does it mean? You know? Come on, you medical people. It's an illness. Yeah, the 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 a pestilence is an econ, uh, is an epidemic disease. Uh, anything happening in Africa right now that would That's a pestilence. That's a pe- what what kind of fever? Never heard of it before, but that's okay because Never heard of dengue fever. Yeah, I've been to Africa. Lots. But nonetheless, the Bible says that in the end times these things are going to be happening. Are these things happening? Earthquakes? Okay. Famines, pestilences. Yes. Amen. Second Timothy three. Turn back a bit. Second Timothy three. Verse one. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, what a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Conceited lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with that. Wow, that's interesting. I like the part and I don't like the part that says have nothing to do with them because when we when we interpret scripture we have to interpret scripture in terms of scripture because we have to look at the whole of scripture but this is in the context of terrible times what in the last days so the last days we don't need to read all those things over again but are all those things anybody have any experience with any or some or all of those things listed yeah, I don't think anybody that I know hasn't had some experience, including perhaps, and this is the hard part, at some point in our life, maybe one or more of these things uh, were us. 
Okay, and so uh, this is tough. Now contextualize it in, in the context of, of the church. Now, now we're really in trouble. Now we're really in trouble. So the, in the end times, um, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says that these are things that are going to be happening. And I would submit to you that this is a pretty common thing, isn't it? This is our society. This is our world. Look, just turn the news on. And people have been saying that for a long time, though, haven't they? It's not today because your parents said that. And so did theirs. Okay? Theirs just didn't have the television to watch, but they heard about these things. Okay? We know a lot more about them now, don't we? It's just because we have the ability to have instant communication. And so it's just everywhere. It just seems like it's overwhelming, doesn't it? Because it is everywhere. And so Matthew 24, 7 says... Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. There's more famines, more earthquakes, nations against nation. We see wars. We see nations rising against nation. Uh, it's really interesting what's happening even uh, in the Islamic world today. And we look at all that and we try to understand why that's happening. And, you know, the Bible talks about that. But nonetheless, from our point of view right now, we have even even factions within Islam fighting each other. It goes back thousands of years, doesn't it? Interesting. But it says these things are going to happen when? In the end times. Those things happening? Okay, First Timothy. Go back to the other direction now. First Timothy four one says. The Spirit clearly says that in, in later times some will abandon the faith, following deceitful spirits and being taught by demons. Interesting. Following what? Deceiving spirits. And things taught by demons. I love it because in, in, uh, in Matthew 24, Jesus tells us, Jesus in Matthew 24 talks about standing guard against false teachers. Again, we're talking about the end times. We're now talking about the church and what's happening in the church. You don't have to look very far in the church today to see that there is some really horrific things that that are that are taught. And so what what happens? Churches now teach what people want to hear. Boy, there's a big difference between what we want to hear and what we need to hear. Okay? Because God's truth is is filtered in just a little bit. Okay? But then it, it's turned around and it's all about us. It's all about making us feel good. And, and the churches are filled with that and all of a sudden it's really it's really all about us. And uh what is the end times really about? Who is the end times about? Jesus. <laughs> okay, it's about Jesus, and we're gonna and we're gonna see that. Um, and then the last one, Matthew twenty four eight says. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows, or in the NIV, birth pains. Ladies. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> Okay, I have to tell the story. I think I've probably told you this before, but I, uh, this has stuck with me since I was a kid. I heard this story, and the little, uh, little Billy says to his mom, Mom, what's it like to have a baby? And she says, Oh, that, I, can, I can share that with you. That's no problem. He says, Really? What's it like? And she says, Okay, take both your hands and grab your lip and pull it out really hard until it hurts. 
And is that what it's like? She says, no, now wrap it over the top of your head. <laughs> Birth pains. Okay, see, we men, we can't understand that too much. But, <laughs> but these are birth pains. So the question in Matthew 24, 8, in terms of are we in the end times is, what are birth pains? What are birth pains? They start out and they progress. What else? The beginning of a birthing process is fascinating because the context here in terms of the end times, are we in the end times? These things are going to be happening. And we're all sitting here and every, I see everybody doing this, shaking their head up, up and down. Yes, these things are happening. It's all around us and it seems to be getting more and more prolific, does it not? It does. Now, we have to be careful with the word seems like because that's like having an opinion. Everybody's got one of those. Okay, but is it? Are there more earthquakes? Are there more famines? Is it getting more prolific? Well, by virtually any measure, the answer to that question is yes. Are we in the end times? Okay. Does anybody doubt that? Good. It sounds to me like everybody has come down on a position that we're in the end times. That's important. Why is that important? We can be prepared and we can be ready. Because the question now is, the question now is, now what? We're in the end times. We're sitting here in Ojai, California on the 17th, thank you, the 17th of September, 2014, and everybody in this room agrees that the Bible has taught us that we are in the end times. Scared? No. Good. Good. We're going to watch a video real quick. <laughs> oh, some of you are going to have a hard time seeing it, but you can look over your head if you want to. It's a quick one. You ready? Not a word was spoken, and everybody sitting in this room knows exactly what just happened. The rapture. What is the rapture? Catching away. Catching away. All right, we're done. <laughs> what is the rapture? Catching away. Caught up. I looked it up in the dictionary and it wasn't there. 
You look it up in the dictionary. Not, not, not our understanding. It had rapture, but then it had a, it is a great feeling, you know, of drugs. Yeah. Great, Great. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting because according to the 1957 <laughs> Webster, um, which I really thought would have a more biblical definition of the word rapture, it doesn't. Okay, it's a it's a great emotional experience is what it is what it uh, what it boils down to. But 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 I'm thinking biblically now, and I'm thinking doctrinally speaking. Is the ra- what is the rapture? What is it? Not the definition of the word, but what is the rapture? The catching up of all the believers. Somebody over here said something. Okay, so, and what scripture is that? Huh, isn't that interesting? I think that's on your sheet. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to start at 13. Because we're going to take a look at what the rapture is. Because I'm telling you that there are misconceptions in the church today about the rapture. Because what does the rapture sometimes get... Aligned with, confused with, or combined with? The second coming of Christ. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to that uh, a little bit later. Okay? We have to understand the rapture. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4.13. 1 Thessalonians. As soon as I get out of Corinthians, I'll get there. Four thirteen says this in the NIV. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or who grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, there's a clue, will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. The rapture in first Thessalonians chapter four is an essential doctrine of the historic Orthodox Christian faith. You cannot, you cannot reject the rapture of the church. You cannot. It is essential. Why? Or do you believe that? The Bible says so. So you believe the rapture. Do you believe it's absolutely essential, Sally? Absolutely. 
that we believe that. Yeah, there are some things biblically that, frankly, we could debate. This is not debatable. And we're going to see why. It is not debatable. But before we do that, we got to deal with this rapture thing because somebody, I won't use names, but somebody um, said, uh, I love this. This was so awesome. Uh, it did my heart so much good. Uh, I was told a few weeks ago, listen, you put that slide up there and it had all these terms. Some of them I've heard before, but frankly, I've never really studied it. I don't know what some of these terms mean. Uh, and I thought, Awesome. Because we're going to look at them and we're going to see sequentially how this is going to happen because God has a plan laid out here. And part of it is the rapture. But why can't we find rapture in the Bible? I was asked. Now, that's a good question. Why can't we find the word rapture in the Bible? And if the word rapture isn't in the Bible, why is it an essential doctrine of the historic Orthodox Christian faith? How can that be if the word's not even in the Bible? It's based on a Greek word, actually. It's based on a Greek word. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. And it was translated from Greek because where does the English language come from? Mostly. Latin. Latin. Languages are fascinating. Sometimes I wish I could live to be a... 300 years old so I could study this stuff more. Languages are fascinating and words matter. And it's really interesting. You know, there's over 725,000 words in the, in the King James Version of the Bible anyway. And the rapture isn't one of them. And yet, and yet, the concept is clear. And we're, we just looked at it up here in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 starting in verse 13 and it's pretty clear that there's going to be there's going to be folks that are dead that are going to arise and Jesus is going to come in the clouds and they're going to go first and then those that are alive are going to be wait a minute we're going to look at that because how's that work but the word rapture isn't anywhere in there and yet in the Greek in the Greek in fact let me just show you this in the Greek the word that is caught up in some of your translations, I think in the NIV, it says, and we will be caught up in the air. That's what Sally said. We're going to be caught up. And the reason that that word is used, caught up, is because it comes from the Greek word harpazo, which means to seize or to snatch up. I like that. I want to be seized by Jesus. You know? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Okay, I just want to be seized. Um, you know, the caught up part is confusing to me because I live in gravity. And my feet are on the ground. Sally. I have a question, though. You know, it says they will be um, caught up in the The dead they fight will rise first. Is that the body that the graves will come up? That's a good question, and we're going to see that in a minute. Hang on to that thought, because we're going to get there. Okay? Because we have to understand the rapture. Because if we don't understand it, we'll, we'll, we will be very confused if we don't understand the doctrine of the rapture and how it works. And, and we're going to deal with some, some tough issues here. Okay? Biblically, we're going to deal with some tough issues, because some of it's hard to understand. And yet... If you'll stick with this until 8 o'clock, 
you will understand. You're not leaving here tonight without understanding the rapture and how it works and, and how uh, integral it is to God's plan. Okay? So this snatching up or taking away, as it were, then got translated from Greek into Latin. And the word in Latin, which is really interesting, this is going to make sense to you all of a sudden, okay? The word in Latin for snatch up is rapturo. I get it. So the English language, which is the most convoluted, messed up language ever invented on the, in the history of mankind, because it takes words from all kinds of different places. And I'm just saying that because I failed English in high school. Um, I did. It's terrible. Um, I hated English. It was complicated. And I never, you know, I couldn't figure out what was a pronoun and what was... You know all that stuff? No, I never could I never could figure it out. But rapturo, which is the Latin word, got translated into English as rapture. But it is the same definition. It means to be to be snatched up, to be caught up. So we could be talking about that this in terms of the doctrine of the historic Christian faith of being caught up. You don't have to use the word rapture. It's just the word that was chosen to be used by the translators because it was the closest word in English that we had. But don't let that bother you. It could have said at any time we could be writing and reading books written by really smart people about the doctrine of being caught up or snatched up or taken away. It's the same thing. Okay? We get the English word raptor. That. That's right. And what is a raptor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big bird of prey. And what does a big bird of prey do? Snatch it up. Isn't that amazing? It kind of all ties together, doesn't it? We're going to be in rapture at that point anyway, emotionally. <laughs> we could be in that, in that place emotionally, but... We watched a video, and the reason I like that video is because two things. Number one, it was 30 seconds long, which is about my attention span. And the second thing is, it was biblically accurate. It was biblically accurate, and we're going to see that. So we're going to take a look at this thing that we call the rapture, this being snatched away. Snatched away. Away, We have to take a look at this and understand it. So stay in First Thessalonians chapter four. We're not going to we're not going to sway from that too much here for just a minute. And we're going to take a look at uh, something that I have plagiarized, but it's called the seven R's. OK, there are seven R words. I like words. There are seven R words that we are going to use to get through this little study about the rapture. And it's just one one place in the Bible in First Thessalonians. And then we're going to support it by looking at some other scriptures. But the first R word is the realization. So look at the first verse there. That's verse 13, 413. And what does it tell you to do? What's the command? Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. You know what's great about this group? <laughs> there ain't nobody here that's going to be ignorant. And you know why? Because we're here. I love that. I love that. 
But we talked about earlier the scripture that talked about what's happening in the church where Jesus himself said, ah, people are going to fall away. They're going to they're going to bail out. Um, they're not going to be interested anymore. And they are therefore probably not going to be obedient. They're not going to be in in the word and they're not going to be worshiping and they're not going to be doing any of those kinds of things. And they're uninformed and ignorant. They're the people that Paul's talking about here in verse 13. Don't be uninformed. Don't be ignorant. That's a biblical command. The context here is don't be ignorant and don't be uninformed about the rapture. That's the context. The principle is don't be uninformed and be ignorant about God's word. But the context here is about the rapture. Hmm. So that's our focus. We're going to walk out of here and not be ignorant or uninformed about the rapture because that's important. So this this verse 13 is talking about the realization that, hey, guys, this is God's plan. It's going to happen. Somebody read verse 13. Don't be ignorant. We have to realize that this is going to happen. It's important. Now, my guess is is that nobody in here is questioning that this is going to happen. Because God's word said it's going to happen. And we trust God's word more than anything else. Or we should. Okay? We should. So the realization that it's going to happen should be enough to avoid being ignorant and uninformed. Amen? Okay, so what's one of the big problems that we have today in the church? Ignorance and uninformedness. Okay, that's what I love about Wednesday nights. We're doing something about that. Okay, and we do we do that on Sundays. We do that on Wednesdays, and and uh, you know, and, and some of you guys are like Bible study junkies. You know, some of you guys are doing Bible studies like three or four other times during the week, and and, and that's that's uh, I use junkie uh, as a term of endearment because that's a good thing uh, that's a good thing but but we can't be we cannot be ignorant so it's a sad commentary that so many are it's a sad commentary that so many are and yet we realize now that this this snatching up this is real okay this is the real deal okay this is not something to take lightly it's something actually to be encouraged about. But this is the real deal. And why is it important to say that? Because there are, Olivia, a plethora, you know I love that word, there are a plethora of people around us that are uninformed and ignorant. Uninformed and ignorant. That's important because that should be giving us some clues about how to conduct ourselves, those of us that aren't uninformed and aren't ignorant about the end times. Because are we in the end times? Yes. Amen. We're in the end times. So, the second R word, it starts in verse 15, and that is the revelation. How did we get to the point where this was revealed to us? This doctrine that we call it? 
from reading the Bible, and even more specifically, somebody read the first part of, since I don't have my Bible open, somebody read the first part, you're in, um, you're in um, 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 15a. Anybody know what a means when we say a and b in terms of making reference to a Bible verse? Yeah. This first part, sometimes it's two sentences, and so it'd be the first part. So somebody read the first part of verse 15. According to the Lord's own word. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Where did the revelation come from? Who wrote the book of... Who wrote this... It's, it's a letter. Who wrote this letter this, to the church at Thessalonica, this first letter here? The Apostle Paul wrote it. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, Paul is an interesting character in Scripture, isn't he? The, the, the man had an encounter with Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, it was that was a real deal encounter that, that the Apostle Paul had, and then and God was revealing things to the Apostle Paul on a regular basis, and the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write words. They're God's words penned through him or a scribe of his, and then he was giving those words to the church. And it said, "Where did the words come from? Where did this revelation come from? The Lord." Okay, Jesus said, "This is going to happen." Okay? So if you have any doubt in your mind, it wasn't some scheme that Paul cooked up. It wasn't a group of guys that got together in a back room somewhere and said, what should we tell the church today, guys? The Lord himself said, this will happen. Okay? They were spoken words. That's powerful. That is powerful. Very, very powerful. And so, and so the revelation then came from the Lord Himself. Okay? By a word of the Lord is what the NIV says. By a word of the Lord. That's clear, isn't it? Alright. Jesus Himself. The third R word that I want to look at in the context of the rapture and 1 Thessalonians' description of it is the word return. Somebody read the second half of verse 15 and all of verse 16, please, in 1 Thessalonians 4. According to the Lord's own word, we will tell you that we who are still alive Huh. Is that descriptive? Will somebody please paraphrase that for me real quickly, like in in just a few words? What's going to happen? Return. That's one word. Okay, there's gonna, who's going to return? Uh-oh. He doesn't totally return. What's it say? Okay. See, because we're we're interpreters of of scripture right now, aren't we? We have to interpret this. What does it? It's, <laughs> what does it say? 
Okay. Okay. You, yeah, yeah, you got it. So what does it say about, about his return? He comes down from heaven. So what do we know? Where did he come from? Yeah, that's his dwelling place. We already know that, though, don't we? And what? Okay. What? What don't you? What? It, what's the question? Well, who's coming down? Jesus. This is the same Jesus, the same one that was walking around and was hanging with his boys. This is the same Jesus that they put on the cross. The same Jesus they put in the tomb. The same Jesus that was risen. And the same Jesus that left in his glorified body to sit at the right hand of the Father, which is where he is. And the, the angel said, just the way he went away, he will come back. That's exactly right. And in First Thessalonians, it says, Jesus will return in the clouds. And then the next thing that's going to happen is, Candy, you read it. Yeah, so the dead will rise first and meet him in the air. Where is he? In the air. It doesn't say that he he's not walking. He's not going to be in Ojai. He's not coming to Ojai for the rapture. doesn't say that. Scripture says that the dead in Christ will be raised first. And we're going to see this. This is going to, be, this is going to get much more clear, Tina, as we go along here. Because Jesus is going to return for... Whom? Believers. Believers. The church. Okay, we're going to see that. It gets more clear and more clear as we go along here. So, the return is going to happen. And how is that going to happen? What's the sign? The trumpet's going to sound. There's three signs. A loud command. A trumpet, and what's the other one? Voice of the, archangel. the voice of the archangel. We're going to see elsewhere that this happens in an instant. Now you know why I love that video. That is an honest-to-goodness biblical depiction of what it might be like sitting at your computer. There's a loud shout. The arch angel voice is heard the trumpet sound of God is heard poof 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 with a command a commanding shout that's a good question I don't know. There's a lot of debate about that. For our purposes, we're going to say, I'm not sure. Is it literal? Are those three things literal? Absolutely. 
a commanding shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God are all real, literal, and everyone will hear. Like that. Yes. That's a really good question. Aren't the dead in Christ already in heaven? Now, you're, you're thinking back to our heaven series now, aren't you? Because we know for a fact from the word of God that, that provided if I walked out of here and got hit by a bus tonight right in front of this church and I died, I would be, I hope, present with the Lord. Amen? I would be present with the Lord. And we looked at extensively at what the Bible teaches in terms of in what condition are we in? Spirit. Now, there's some debate about that because the Bible doesn't make it absolutely clear. It says that we will be in a spirit body without defining what that is. And yet there are Old Testament saints that have died, that have gone to heaven, that have come back and have manifested themselves in physical bodies. So we know that scripture teaches that in some way there is some potential for physicality in this intermediate heaven that we are all going to go to if we have if we are believers in Christ. OK, and yet it doesn't provide absolute clarity as to whether or not there is absolute physicality to our bodies. This is hard to understand. Amen. Because we live in the physical. I'm on the ground. I understand the I understand gravity. When Newton, you know, dropped the apple, it falls to the ground. Okay? I get all of that. I live in the physical. And yet it's hard to understand except for what we have to take as truth from God's word and he doesn't reveal it to us completely. So, the answer to your question is that when we die, we are in heaven. That's not what we're talking about here, though. What's going to rise? Aha! Uh-huh. Stick with me, Dale. We're almost there. Okay? We're almost there. See how it can be? Uh-oh. These are good questions, aren't they? Because, wait a minute. What about all those Old Testament saints? They died before Jesus came. Okay, that's a whole group of people, isn't it? And then Jesus came, and then the church was birthed. You realize there was really no church before Jesus established the church. In the sense that we, you know, we're in the church age now, as, as, as we call it. The church age is when, is when Jesus, Jesus came. He established the church and the early church in the book of Acts. We've all read the book of Acts. And we see how it, it, it kind of got started, if you will. And, and God revealed a lot of things through these letters that, that, that Paul and, and others wrote okay, to, the, to the churches to establish doctrine. And, and it's exactly within the context of God's plan. And yet people have been dying. Uh, in fact, everybody, you know, you've heard it said that the death rate is still one per person. One per person? Yeah. <laughs> the death rate is one per person. Or is it? Or is it? We're going to answer that question in a minute, too. So stick with me. Here we go. So it has been revealed. And the fourth R word that we're going to look at in this scripture, talking about and contextualizing the rapture is 
resurrection. Hang with me, Dale. Resurrection. Okay? Alright. What's the first thing you think of when you think of the resurrection? Jesus. Well, what about all those dead people? They get resurrected too. Okay, let's read verse 16b, the second half of 16, somebody, please. Again. Read a little bit more of it. Go back a little bit farther. Uh, oh, just read all of 16. Okay. <laughs> For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What's the key word? Yeah. Excuse me? The dead in Christ rise. Rise is what I was thinking. Rise. And the dead in Christ will What are the dead in Christ going to do? The dead in Christ are going to rise. How are they going to rise? <laughs> Not when. How? In a resurrected body. You see, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus died, was put into the tomb. God raised him from the dead. And if you recall what the Bible says, what kind of a body did he have? Glorified body. A glorified body. And did anybody recognize him? Not right. Not right away, but then they thought, oh, oh yeah. So there was something slightly different. That glorified body that he had had a lot of similarities to his regular body. Now, this is... This was Jesus now, okay? That's not us, but this is Jesus. But we can get some real good indicators of what a resurrected body is going to be like because ultimately they did recognize him. And they said, hey, Jesus said, to who? Thomas. Thomas, Thomas, touch. There's, I think it was really here. It's depicted here all the time, but I think it was here. So, so look, this is where they, this is where they hammered the nails and, 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 and the side. Says, look, Thomas, touch, skin, flesh, bones, and yet glorified, glorified body. And that glorified body was also raised just like these dead in Christ saints. Which means that anybody that you know that has put their faith in Christ, anybody you have ever personally known that was in Christ and has died, when this takes place, will rise first with a glorified body. And that body will be perfect. And it will be fit for heaven. Okay? Because what kind of a body? Back to the question. Wait a minute. I thought we died and we were already in heaven. Uh, spiritually speaking with the body the spirit and the body come together at the resurrection and the dead will rise first and you will have an imperishable imperfect body the one that will never feel pain will never wear out there will never we you know uh, uh, there there aren't going to be any hospitals where we're going 
There will be no need. There, there, no, the Kleenexes won't exist. Think about that. There will be no Kleenexes after the rapture. You will be raptured to a glorified state. You won't have to cry anymore. There will be no emotional pain. The relationships, the nature of most of our problems on earth are relationships. And every one of those will be perfected. I don't even know what that looks like. But I want it. <laughs> but I don't know what it looks like. So these bodies are going to be raised in a physical state. Unlike if I get hit by a bus crossing the crosswalk to get to my truck tonight. Where my spirit... I don't know if you've ever had this experience. And uh, I don't want to get uh, too wacky on you here. But uh, if you have ever been around um, uh, somebody that is dying. Uh, there is a process, uh, and it's very interesting to me. Uh, I'll never forget this, and I'll just share a little insight just with my with my mom. I was privileged to be with my mom uh, as as she died, and it's as though God was protecting uh, her uh, because there was like a transformation that was taking place. It was almost like uh, this is not biblical. I'm just saying that I had the sense that that uh, that her spirit left. Before the body shut down, and it was a peace. There was a peacefulness about that, um, and in my own testimony about about uh, you know plummeting to earth under a malfunctioning parachute with everything being absolutely peaceful and quiet and serene and in slow motion, and it was almost like there was a. It was almost. And I didn't know the Lord at the time, but He knew me, and it was almost like there was a protection that was in place for what was about to. To transpire, and so again, not biblical. I'm just saying that that was experiential, and it's very interesting. Our bodies will be raised, and they will be raised immortal. Because right now we're quite mortal; <laughs> it's falling apart. Okay, and 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 that's the truth. Uh, Turn to 2 Corinthians 5. Because the dead have rised. Raised. Risen. Risen. I told you I failed English. First, God's Word said that the dead in Christ will be reunited with a glorified body in the air to meet Jesus. He's not here. He didn't come to earth. He came down <coughs> in the clouds. Okay? You can take this literally. Somebody was just joking and he said, why did the dead in Christ rise first? He said, so we won't have a six foot jump on him. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have a six foot jump on him. Well, let's take a look. What about the rest of us? <coughs> did you catch how I phrase that question? What about the rest of us? Anybody here alive? So. Amen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and if you're worried about that, um, you're at least alive in Christ. You okay with that, Marvin? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, okay. Marvin can live with being alive in Christ because, because we are. So, Second uh, Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. For we know Words are important. 
Let the words sink in here. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, what's the tent? I, I love I love the metaphors that are sometimes used in, in Scripture. Um, for if the earthly tent we live in is destroys, destroyed, we have a building from God. What is the building? Glorified body from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, while we're here, we groan. Does anybody groan? <laughs> We're trying to take a look at this from an eternal heavenly perspective and it makes groaning seem that much more real, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, come. I got some things I'm groaning about. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. The perspective here in 2 Corinthians 5 is eternity. Oh my gosh. Lord, I'll hang as long as you want me to. But really, where's my home? Where did he design us to be? With him. And in what condition? Perfect. Perfect. The rapture is taking place right before our eyes in Scripture. And the dead have risen first with an incorruptible body, the one that's being talked about here. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. No, for while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. I love it because he's talking about our desire. Remember when the Apostle Paul said, Oh, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I am not the least bit concerned for myself if I get hit in the crosswalk tonight. I'm concerned about... You know what you're concerned about. You're concerned about people that are left and the, and the mess that that creates and that, that's hard isn't it that's hard and see where we're going that will never that will never exist again it will never exist so this is all just very temporary because our perspective needs to be eternal that's what the rapture is about eternality we will live with Jesus for an eternity in a resurrected body that is perfect and it says so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's the key. You see, without the power of the Holy Spirit in this place tonight, right now, none of us would understand this. Even to the extent that some of us understand it more than others of us understand it, that's okay. That's sanctification. We are growing unignorant as we speak. Each of us is getting less and less ignorant about how these things work and what God's plan is. So we look forward with anticipation because what God's talking about is no longer unknown to us. The rapture will happen. 
and the dead in Christ will be raised and fashioned together spiritually and physically hmm. to meet Jesus, Tina, in the heavenly realms where there will then for sure be there's no doubt at this point when the rapture happens there's no question the Bible is clear we will have incorruptible heavenly fit perfect bodies forever the one that will never change in the heavenly realms Philippians 3. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read it. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. This is critical about how we think about the rapture. But our citizenship is in heaven. We could close the book right there. Our citizenship is in heaven. In the meantime, here we are. We have things to do. And we have responsibilities. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Don't misconstrue that. It's not that it's not that we're questioning whether there is a savior from there. It's we're eagerly awaiting because that's where he is. Okay? And he's coming for his bride. He's that's who? Okay, I have we have to we have to pull a Richie. It's me. Okay. We have to pull a Richie. It's me. He's he's coming for me. You can say that. He's coming for me. Because you don't know about anybody else. Right? I don't know about anybody else. That's between us and the Lord. Okay? I don't know. But he's coming for me. And I eagerly await that. And so, we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Any question? At the rapture, what's going to happen? Awesome. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Cool. See, that's true. That's real. So are we? Are we? Hmm. Well, that's the next best question then. What about us? We're second. We're second. Class? No, just second. This is God's plan. This is God's plan. The dead in Christ rise first. Okay, a little biblical tri- trivia for you. Did, were all the Old Testament saints classified as dead in Christ? Because the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Were all the Old Testament saints were they when they died because they did you know did they die in Christ? Yes. There's a yes. Alright here we go. Yeses. Yeses. Noes. Maybes. Maybe. We got it's all over the place isn't it? That's really interesting. Did you know that the Bible tells us I'm not going to tell you tonight, though. No, it's coming later. We're going to learn that later. 
So when, let's read verse 17. Okay. The fifth R word is removal. Removal. Somebody read verse 17, please. I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. After that, what's the that? The dead, right After the dead. Have rise first with their resurrected body, their spirit and their body have come together. They are in the presence of with they are in the presence of Jesus. Okay? They are in the presence of Jesus. And so after that, who's this talking about? Why do you excuse me? Though you said us, you said those that are still alive. Well, what is it? Is it us? Or is it those that are still alive? <laughs> Wait, now you just combine them. Yeah. It's believers. Okay. Oh, what did you say, Olivia? If we're still living, is that what you said? Oh, if we're still living. So it's us if we're still living. Okay. We won't be? We won't be living? <laughs> What you don't think we're that close? On what basis? Uh huh. So on that basis. So on that. So on that basis. Wait a minute. This is good. That's good. This is good. I like the. I like the question. Okay, because we, we said earlier that we're in the end times. These things are happening. There's no, there's no question in anybody's mind in this room, as I was able to view it tonight, that there was a question about whether the fact that we're in the end times, biblically. Well, he has to raise some people towards, uh, in the end times because the word tells us that one will be taken and one will still be here. Well, yeah, so 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, After that, we who... We... Who? I love English. After that, we who are still alive. Yeah, I, I got this time issue thing going on in my head right now. We who are still alive. Uh, when was this written? Olivia, this was written a couple thousand years ago. Okay. And <laughs> somewhere around that. Um, and so, well, let's back up. Some people are never going to taste death. Now, that's a really interesting proposition that you just put forth, Miss Olivia. Because Olivia said, I don't think we're that close. Hmm. Does anybody else have a different uh, belief? Can I, is, is it okay if I call that an opinion? Okay, that's okay. Okay, that's good. I accept that. That's fine. 
Anybody else have a different opinion? Yeah, it says in the scriptures that no one will know when I come back. No, it's, no one will know. Okay. Not even. But that's different than. No one will know. Oh, Richie knows. I have a question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse my help. Is there anything that needs to happen before the rapture? Anything remaining that needs to happen before the rapture? Can happen. Yes. Yeah. No, that's why we're here. Find that out. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's another good question. Nadine? You think Okay, so Marvin says that the Bible tells us that nobody knows the time, only the Father. We read that last week. And you say that it's going to come like a thief in the night. And Olivia says that, nah, we're, we're a ways away because there's stuff that's got to happen. Now, Susan says, no, it's stuff. There is stuff that's got to happen. Um, wow, that's, that's kind of, that's fairly diverse, isn't it? Really? <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for next week. <laughs> I, I just can't wait. So there's there's a there's a legitimate position that that um, that Susan is taking that there are certain things that are going to have to take place. So she's a student. She's read through this, and and in her where she is, she's come down on the side of the rapture not being able to take place quite yet because of at least one event. That there is going to have to be the, that the, that Israel has to be restored, which it has been uh, technically. If you want to know, 1948 Israel became a state, and they they were given that land. And so there's a there's a lot of debate about that, and we're not going to go into that tonight. And and that the Bible says is that there will be worshiping in the in the temple again. And and why isn't that happening now? Because they don't have access to it. So these are interesting world events, and and we'll talk a little bit about that later, not tonight. Um, uh, But but she's taken a position on that, and Olivia has taken a position that she believes that they're still there's we're we're far enough away because people have been talking about this for two thousand years. Yes, but also they're saying worse. Hmm. That's interesting because where do we go for the final authority on on all of this? The Bible. Yeah. So we have to take a look because we have to understand what does the what does the Bible say and how do we then come down on whether or not these things have happened or these things haven't happened and how do we come down on making a decision relative to um, to uh, whether or not uh, enough time has taken place or by by what by what standard. See, we're, we're trying to talk about that. By, by what standard? Now, you know, in part of my life, I would like Jesus not to come to rapture the church uh, at least until I'm like 82. <laughs> I got things to do, you know. I mean, that's, that's my world, right? Uh, on the other hand, this afternoon or evening would be just fine. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, but we've got to look to, to the scriptures and that's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to look to the scriptures and we're going to let the scriptures and the Holy Spirit speak to us in terms of whether the rapture could happen now. Whether it could happen now. So the removal is going to take place because those that are alive are what is going to happen to them? They're going to what? They're going to how? 
They're going to meet Christ up in the air. With who, with who else? Yeah, that's right. Because they were first. Exactly right. And so, uh, so if that were, theoretically, for some in the room, if that were to happen now, right now, Are you alive? Would you be in this category? So you, but you have a body. See, the dead don't. The dead in Christ didn't have a body. How do you deal with that? Oh. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Chapter 15. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one says this. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last what? Isn't it awesome how Scripture ties together? At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and then we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. You see, we win. We already know the end of the game. It was like the football analogy I was giving you last week. We watched the first game and we already knew what the outcome was so it was kind of a yawner. Okay? Uh, and so we know what the outcome is. But I tell you a mystery. What is he talking about when he says I tell you a mystery? It's not the mystery like you won't understand this. The mystery is is that from Genesis 1 to 1 Corinthians 14 nobody knew this. That was one of the other R words. It was revealed. The Lord Jesus himself revealed this and then it was told to the church age saints that this rapture was going to take place. You see, the Old Testament saints had no clue. They didn't have any idea. They died not knowing there was going to be a rapture. And we're going to look at that later in terms of what happens to the Old Testament saints. The church age saints, that's us. Okay? What happens? The Bible's really clear about this. It's really clear. So the mystery in verse 51 has nothing to do with this is mysterious. No. The mystery is, is that it was just revealed. Okay, so be careful with that word mystery. So what are the facts here? We'll be changed in an instant. If the rapture happened today, and I'm not going to tell you what my position is on that because it wouldn't be fair, but it could happen today. So when... <laughs> When's it going to happen? In God's timing. Yeah. At the last trumpet. Remember the video? That's real. You're going to hear it. It's literal. Huh? That's. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But yes, it is a literal thing that will take place, and the trumpet will sound. And guess what? The dead will rise. How long do you suppose it's going to be before, the, before those of us that are alive in Christ are raised in imperishable bodies? 
I don't know how quick the twinkling of an eye is, but I relate more to a flash. You ever seen lightning? Boom! Done. At the last trumpet, how many trumpets? One. The last one. The first answer. Oh, and there's a whole study about that in Revelation that we that we can't go into because I'll tell you we'd be here till Christmas, and wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> but the fact is, is that the 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 alive in Christ, of course, will taste victory. We won't have died. Isn't that an awesome thought? Isn't it an awesome thought that right now? If God so chose, he could come for his church. The dead would rise first. The live, the, those of us that are alive in Christ would be second. And it would happen in a flash, in an instant. And you are then going to be where? With Christ. And then where? In heaven. So we're not going to hang. We're not going to be... I'm going to Boise tomorrow. I'm going to be hanging out around 20, 22,000 feet. We're not going to be there. We're not going to be hanging in the clouds. Okay? We are going to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus for an eternity. Imperishable. That's the rapture. And of course, the sixth R word in verse 16. We don't have to read 16. We've read it six times already tonight. But the sixth R word is the reunion. This is the part that I really like. I haven't given you the seventh one yet. But the sixth R word is the reunion. What is the reunion? I already mentioned it earlier. Christ and His bride. That's one reunion. What's another one? Every believer in the church age, because we got to deal with this whole Old Testament saying thing, but we'll deal with that later. Every believer, let's leave it on this basis, because you didn't know a whole bunch of people that died a long time ago. You didn't know them. But everybody in this room knows somebody who had put their faith in Christ and, and is in heaven right now. Somewhere between a spiritual and a physical body, we're not sure. Probably more spiritual than physical. That's where they are. And they are going to be raised with an imperishable body. And then you are going to be raised... You just haven't died yet with an imperishable body to meet them in the air. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to be way more you're going to be way more joyous about this reunion with Jesus because you're going to see him for who he is because you don't have a clue. We do not have a clue because we have not seen Jesus for really who he is. And of course, we're going to be known for who we are, too. In his image, imperishable, and you are going to be reunited and recognize those that have died in Christ before you. There will be a party. 
and I mean that with all due respect for God's sovereign plan, there is going to be a reunion with relationships that are quite different than they they are on earth. But you are going to recognize your loved ones that have died in Christ. Amen, Thelma. Amen. Amen. And it is going to be glorious forever. That's the rapture. And of course, the seventh and final R word is reassurance. Are you sure reassurance? Verse 18. (coughs) Vinny, are you open to 1 Thessalonians 4? Could you read verse 18? What are we supposed to do about this whole doctrine on the rapture of the church? Jesus coming for his bride, coming for everybody that has put, ever put their faith in him. What are we supposed to do with that? Encourage each other with that information. Why? Why would the Holy Spirit inspire the words that are written here? That we should encourage each other with this. So we persevere. So we persevere. We don't live here. We only think we do. Amen? This world is not my home. John 14, 1 through 3. You can turn there if you like. I'm going to read it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house. We're talking about eternity here, guys. We don't live here. To the extent that you focus on the trials and the tribulations and the issues and the troubles that we have in this life. Oh, my heart aches for you because we don't live here. This is not our home. Our focus is on Christ in eternity. Think about the rapture. It's a glorious thing where we will be reunited with Jesus who made us and those that went before us that we love. I'm talking about a glorious thing. He says, my father's house has many rooms. We've all heard this. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's the rapture. This is the rapture. I will come back and take you to be with me. Any question on what Jesus' plans are for his church? As far as the rapture is concerned? I hope not. Biblically, Jesus will return. The cat will be out of the bag now. Not the second coming. He is going to return to remove his church. Uh Uh-oh, now we're going to get into some doctrinal and theological problems. Because he loves the church 
And he is going to protect the church from going through what we are going to have to very painfully deal with next, which is the wrath of God on the rest of the earth and those that have rejected him and those that are going to be, as Tim LaHaye likes to say in his series of books, left behind. Because there will be those that are left behind. And the church is going to be removed unless you don't believe that. And we're, we're going to take a look at those that do and those that don't. And why? Because the next thing that you're going to have to deal with in order to live your life effectively for Jesus' sake while we're here is you're going to have to come down on one side or another of when are these things going to happen because I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to meet somebody tomorrow that nobody likes to say this. But I'm telling you, it's the biblical truth. You're going to meet and come in contact with somebody tomorrow that is on the highway to hell. That's where they're going. And when we understand the beauty, the beauty of God's love for us and the plan, who could have concocted a plan like this out of love? That in this mess that we find ourselves in, that Jesus would come and remove us so that we could not have to endure all of God's wrath that is coming because it's coming. Boy, people don't like to talk about that. huh? When was the last time you heard a good sermon on a Sunday morning about God's wrath? It just doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, that's why I think that's why God, God created Wednesday nights. But are you secure? Why? How do you know? Jesus said so. See, our, our eternity is secure because we were given a guarantee. Jesus himself said, I'm, this is one of those Bill Burr paraphrases, but I'm checking out, but I'm leaving the Holy Spirit. Okay? He's going to be the counselor and just, oh man, He's going to fill you. And if you'll just submit and get off the throne, He's going to help you through the trouble that you're going to have here. Because you're going to have some. Be patient. Because I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Oh, boy, now we got to deal with this one. Because did Jesus come back at the rapture? Yeah, I like what you said earlier, Candy. That that's awesome because did, did, uh, is that the second coming? Well, it, it seems like in some way. I mean, Joanne mentioned that verse in Acts where the angel said, "As you've seen him go into heaven, so you will see him return in the clouds." Uh, and I, I'm I'm confused on on some of that. Awesome. Yeah, he didn't. My point was that Jesus didn't come. He didn't walk on the earth. He's not coming to Ohio. At the rapture. It's 
not going to happen. And we're going to meet him in the air. It says quite clearly. This is quite literal. We can interpret this quite literally. He didn't come to earth. And I'll tell you what, we are going to take a look and we are going to dispel those things that are confusing biblically about the rapture and the second coming. They are not the same. And we're going to look at that biblically. Not because I said so. We are going to look at it biblically. There are radically different things that happen at the rapture, according to scripture, than happen at the second coming. And where we're going to have to extend a lot of grace amongst ourselves over the next three weeks as we go through some of those kinds of things is there may be people in this room that have a different opinion about the sequence of events. Now, I'm telling you, I don't mind letting the cat out of the bag. I'm telling you that the rapture could happen tonight. It's okay if you don't agree. It's totally okay. But we're going to look at biblically. We have to come to terms with that, don't we? Because there are very smart people that come down on, on both sides of that. And we're going to take a look at the second coming. Because that's a doctrine that we have to absolutely understand. It can't be uninformed about. We have to be clear. Because if we're going to be a good witness for Jesus Christ, it's going to be important for us, even if we paraphrase it, to be able to share with people, hey, this is what's going to happen. Not because I said so, but this is God's plan. And he loves you. And all you got to do is love him back. And then this is what's going to happen. It's coming. It's coming. And I would, I would be of the persuasion that the rapture could happen right now right now. And we're going to look at that biblically next week. Now, unless, of course, the rapture happens. And if it does, if it does, we're still going to meet, but not here. Okay? All right. Just want to make sure that that's clear. Same time. Same time. That's right. I don't know if they. I don't know if there are Wednesdays in heaven. <laughs> Every day may be a Sunday. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, did we dispel any potential misconceptions? Because you see, there is no controversy on the rapture. It will happen, and the dead will rise first. And those of us that are alive, should it happen tomorrow, will rise incorruptible and be with the Lord forever. Any question about that? That is biblically solid. You can rest assured in that. That is truth. That is truth. Starting next week, if we're all still here, we will then begin to start to tear into things that are a little more challenging, like trying to answer the question, are you sure? Because it's okay. Ask me, are you sure? I am, but it's okay if we disagree. And then what's the sequence? Because if the church is going to get raptured, hallelujah, don't we just go about our merry way? Because my issues are solved. I'm not going to have to go through the wrath of God. But what if I'm wrong? 
Is the church going to go through the tribulation? And by the way, what is that? What happens there? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's not all a bed of roses. And that's why it's important for you to be clear. It's really important for you to be clear. And it's important for you to not only be clear on the rapture, because that is a biblical truth, and that is an essential doctrine. That is essential. Okay? We're going to heaven with incorruptible bodies. As soon as Jesus comes for us. The question is, then what? Or does that happen before the tribulation? Or do we have to go through the tribulation? As Will we be considered tribulation saints? Or will we be taken out before the tribulation comes? Who is the Antichrist? Is the Antichrist alive? Is the Antichrist on the planet today? Could this happen? According to Olivia, probably not because more things have to happen. I, I respect that. Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And we're, and we're going to look at that. We have, because we're going to deal with it sequentially. In the meantime, in the meantime, praise God that he loved us so much that he, after the fall, told us specifically, although you're going to have trouble, I love you. So much. Don't don't worry about people that order gravy on their. Don't worry about them. Don't let them. Don't let that bother you, Candy. We're gonna have difficulty in relationships. We're gonna have difficulty in 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 in, in everything because it's it's a it's a fallen place, and yet Jesus has overcome all of that and. For some, even swallowed up death in victory. Because ultimately, we are assured of our salvation and we are victorious. As we sit here tonight, we are victorious. Jesus wins. And we're His. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wes. It's too late. No. <laughs> We're all still here, so it's not too late. I understand that the dead in Christ will rise first. I thought I thought they were already in heaven. Where are they? If they're not, where are they? Because if they're in heaven, they can't rise anymore. Ah. What happened to our bodies when we when we died? That's right. That's right. So our, but think about it this body, way. Okay. I, I want you to think about it this way, Wes. Here's the answer to that question. Okay, a body that's I don't care if it's been cremated. I don't care if it's been yeah. in in the ground. It doesn't it doesn't matter what it is. Okay, it was it was it was it died because it was it, it perished. Okay, and and uh, those that that believe died are in, the, are in the presence of the Lord spiritually. And there will be a reunited event where the spirit and the body are reunited. From dust did we come and God blew the breath of life in us. From dust we return. 
and we will be reunited with our spirit out of the dust. That's the picture. That's how it started. And that's how God is going to put it back together. Um, that's bullet point number uh, I think that's 12 heaven and hell we have to revisit what happens because um, uh, because you're absolutely right it, we need to be clear about that as well there is an intermediate state if, if so so Wes will go back to the analogy of crossing the crosswalk if I get hit by that bus um, my spirit I am going to be in the presence of the Lord spiritually speaking I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord they're going to take my body and do whatever they're going to do with it okay because it's just a tent that is no longer necessary okay it's going to go back to the dust that's where it came from and so we're in this intermediate state okay in the presence of the Lord okay but not with our imperishable bodies we have not been raptured we have not been resurrected our bodies have not been resurrected and then once the resurrection takes place, we're still not in our permanent home because there's a whole series of events that are going to take place and that's what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. What happens? What about the thousand-year millennial reign of, of, of Jesus on the earth? This earth, the one that, this one, that's the one he's talking about. And then what about the new heaven and the new earth? This collision where heaven and earth come together Okay. Heaven and earth, all things will be made new and we will already be in our imperishable bodies in heaven. But God is going to bring heaven and earth together. And so our ultimate existence for an eternity in this blissful state of being in the presence of God, he is going to walk with us and talk with us. Read Genesis. That's what it's going to be like. Okay, And that's what's going to happen forever. There's going to be mountains and trees. I don't know about Corvettes. There will be mountains and trees. Okay? We may not need them because remember when Jesus was raised imperishable, what's one of the first things that happened? He knocked on the door and when nobody came, he decided just go, just go right on through. That's a clue. Because then scripture says, we will be raised imperishable with glorified bodies just like his. Now, that sounds science fiction, but it's biblical. Jesus didn't need a door. I don't know if there will be Corvettes. I just don't know. But I got a hunch. Probably not. I don't think we're going to need them. Okay. Okay. Hey. All right, we're gonna we're gonna tackle starting next week. We're gonna see this is easy. We're gonna be raptured. Jesus loves us. Next week we're gonna tackle some tough stuff. Okay, so bring bring a really open mind next week.
and an open heart because because we're going to argue and it's okay. I don't want to just point at you all the time, but 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 it's okay. We'll argue and and we'll we're going to get into some tough questions starting next week. So provided we're here, so we're going to we're going to close in prayer. I'll just pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for bringing us together tonight, Lord. Uh, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for the clarity, Lord, that you provide for us in your word. And Lord, thank you for your love for us. Not only is your word clear and not only are these things that we're looking at, God, quite literal, but Lord, they're all based on your love for us. And Lord, we just want to take a moment to thank you for that right now. God, we want to thank you that we can be secure in our faith. We want to thank you, Lord, that our ultimate dwelling place is in heaven. Help us, God. To live our lives in the here and the now in obedience to you as we grow and we, we, Lord, we learn, Lord, and then we apply, God, the truths that you have for us. Help us, God, to live our lives in such a way that those that are perishing around us, Lord, might be attracted. But in any event, God, Help us to just be the people that you call us to be. Because, Lord, we love you. Lord, we trust you. And so will you help us love you more and will you help us trust you more in all of these areas, God. For it is for Christ's sake. Lord, that we are here and we pray these things. Amen.